0: This is baseball tonight the podcast
1: this is the baseball tonight podcast for thursday january 4th 2024 and today will be better than yesterday on this show where baseless accusations will be challenged i'm buster only working for my home in montana taylor schwink is in the schwink studios back in connecticut taylor how you doing
0: I'm doing great, Buster. I'm fresh off covering the Rose Bowl for the Game Day Podcast. Here's a baseless accusation for you. You had a terrible time in Japan, didn't you? You <laughs> had a great time in Japan.
1: And I will say this. I, I was surprised. I thought when we go to Japan that uh, everywhere and – I- and I know we're not talking about – it's not baseball season, so maybe this will change once baseball season begins. I thought for sure the country was going to be overrun by Dodger caps. And I will tell you that most mm-hmm. of the caps that I saw in Japan – were Yankee caps. I saw a smattering of others. I thought for sure after the Otani signings, the Yamamoto signings, that we'd see a ton of Dodger caps. Does that surprise you?
0: That it surprises me a little, but it's been a relatively short amount of time. I think maybe right. if you win in a year from now, it might be different. I mean, but also the Yankee cap supremacy is hard to dislodge. I commend yeah. the, you know, the Dodgers are gonna try, but that's that's gonna be tough
1: yeah well, it it uh, and I can tell you this, like if you went past newsstands, there are all kinds of pictures, of Yamamoto, all kinds of pictures of Otani. So it will get geared up. And I did mm-hmm. see it the at the Tokyo airport that we flew out of uh, the displays they had, the the mannequins they had, they had Dodger caps on. So that wave oh. is coming. yeah, and you know, yeah. who knows? maybe that maybe the Yankees will be challenged yeah. at some point with their you know cap supremacy. All right, some uh, some news and notes to talk about today. Just before we went on air uh, and began taping with Hembo, we got news that Chris Sale signed a, an extension. They basically tore up his old contract that he had with the Boston Red Sox before he agreed to that trade last week uh, to Atlanta. He winds up getting in this contract with the Atlanta Braves. In 2024, he's going to make $16 million. In 2025, he's going to make $22 million. In 2026, there's a club option that the Braves hold for $18 million. They are betting big that he's going to be healthy moving forward. And I'll also explain why I think it's a good deal for the Braves, but also – for the Boston Red Sox. Toronto Blue Jays finalized a two-year, $15 million deal uh, with Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. They re-signed Kevin Kiermeyer to a one-year contract. So if you're wondering if the, the uh, Blue Jays are going to have big upgrades on their offense, the answer is no. Ross Atkins, the general manager of the Blue Jays, spoke with reporters on Wednesday, and he talked about being very disappointed that Shohei Otani chose the Dodgers over the Blue Jays. Speaking of the Red Sox, Lucas Giolito signed a two-year, $38.5 million deal with Boston. It's kind of a a great structure for him because if he has a good year, he will have the option to opt out of his contract after 2024. Prosecutors in the Dominican Republic presented the Wander Franco case to a judge uh, on Wednesday. The judge is going to rule on Friday. Juan Franco is accused of commercial sexual exploitation and money laundering following the allegations that the Ray shortstop had a relationship with a minor whose mother also faces the same charges. Prosecutors requested that a judge hold Franco on an eighty six thousand dollar bond, bar him from leaving the Dominican Republic and place him under house arrest. We're going to learn more about the resolution of this probably on Friday. Korean relief pitcher Woosak Go signed with the Padres on a two-year $4.5 million deal. It's expected that he will be their closer. Mike Schilt will not have a traditional bench coach on his staff as he takes over as manager of the San Diego Padres. Some interesting opt-outs that uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto has in his $325 million deal with the Dodgers that are tied to whether or not he has Tommy John surgery. The Reds continue to be aggressive in this offseason. They signed Frankie Montas to a one-year, $16 million deal. And we got news from Andrew Flynn Simmons, the four-time Gold Glove winning, uh, award-winning shortstop, announced his retirement after 11 years in the big leagues. And some big names remain unsigned in the free agent market. Blake Snell, two-time Cy Young Award winner, Coming off a season in which he posted a 225 ERA, unsigned. Jordan Montgomery helped them to lead the Rangers to a World Series title, unsigned. Cody Bellinger, NL MVP in 2019, unsigned. Josh Hader, one of the best closers in history, is unsigned. Another piece of news as I was going through some of these notes, uh, we just heard that Harrison Bader has signed a one year, $10.5 million deal to be the center fielder of the New York Mets, who should have a very strong defensive outfield in 2024. Taylor, what else you got?
0: Wow, Buster, we take a week off, and the news is flowing. Good show ahead today. Uh, If you're looking for something else to listen to, friends, check out the College Game Day podcast. We did a bunch of shows from the Rose Bowl, including two two short... Uh, 13-minute, 7-minute recaps of the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. Um, You can check those out wherever you're listening to this podcast. Um, You can listen on YouTube, where later today, that is uh, Thursday, January 4th, that we will be posting a full championship preview. We're going to do another one Saturday. So tons of content around the National Championship game. That's the College Game Day podcast with Reese Davis and Pete Thamel.
1: You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, Call 1-800-DIRECT-TV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with vivid seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code baseball. That's code baseball. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. That's vividseats.com today, code baseball. Vivid Seats. Experience it live.
0: Jumping into the numbers. This is Hembo Knows on Baseball Tonight.
1: Hembo, of course, is Paul M. the highest paid right-hand man in all of professional sports. $701 million contract. Hembo, I'm still amazed by your ability to, to pull off that kind of uh, payoff. You know? And someday, Buster, my
2: ancestors will be amazed by the shrewd negotiating of Taylor Schwink and all of the uh, high-powered people at my agency. I won't see a cent of that Uh Income at some point during my life, but hopefully someday uh, when college costs $2 million a year, uh, my great, great, great grandchildren will actually be able to go because of my contract.
1: And, you know, the good thing is from the, the pod perspective, we can start getting return on investment right now. You might have to wait until what did we figure out? The year 2148. That's when you get your return on investment. Uh, our return on investment starts today when we talk about uh, topics that you sent, including some New Year's, uh, New Year's resolutions. But let's start with the trade that the uh, Atlanta Braves and Boston Red Sox made last week. And from what I understand, the Braves have been trying to get Chris Sale at the trade deadline. Like they had been sort of fishing around this potential idea uh, of bringing Sale out of Boston. Uh, look, I, I think in the end, when you look at it from the Braves perspective, they're essentially, uh, they bet Vaughn Grissom and $10 million, that's their share of the salary that they're going to pay for Chris Sale for 2024, that Sale will be healthy, that he will be productive. And they also, if in fact that's the case, they also have a very affordable $20 million option, which could wind up replacing Charlie Morton in 2025, his deal. Yeah, I think Alex Anthopoulos acquiring
2: what I would describe as a distressed Chris Sale um, is a masterclass, a masterclass in asset management. Obviously, it goes without saying, it is all about health. Whether or not Chris Sale is healthy, that will determine whether or not this was worth the risk. It's 41 starts in the last four years. But from a performance standpoint, don't let that inflated ERA last year fool you. I mean, he was pitching with the worst defense in baseball behind him, and there was no pitcher in baseball, not one single pitcher that logged at least 100 innings that had both a better strikeout and walk rate than Chris Sale did. The velocity is going to be there. The shape of that slider is going to be there. And while I do think that Vaughn Grissom can mash, uh, can mash, or at least could mash, he can't play shortstop. And this is Atlanta trading from a position of strength, as you said, betting on the talent. If Chris Sale is Chris Sale uh, if, you know, from basically August on this year, this is going to be a trade absolutely worth making because that is the single biggest reason why the Braves failed in the playoffs the last couple of years is because they've not gotten uh, gotten good enough starting pitching. And when Chris Sale is Chris Sale, he is as lights out as anybody in the sport. And I could see him making a resurgence this season pitching in Atlanta.
1: And Hembo, maybe he does turn out to be Chris Sale, right? Maybe he has moments when he goes back to being that dominant guy. We know he's known as a great clubhouse guy. He's incredibly accountable. He's incredibly competitive. Uh, Maybe on certain days he'll have that stuff to be that old guy. But you know what? If he's just a mediocre pitcher, let's say he puts up a 4.20 ERA and he has 180 innings, pitching in a rotation behind Max Freed, behind Spencer Strider, behind Charlie Morton. He's essentially the number four, number five type guy. For that kind of cost, $10 million in salary, that's a bargain. I mean, financially, it is an absolute no-brainer, and it also
2: reinforces the enormous value of having the kind of uh, player development pipeline that the Braves can produce. The fact that they can just float out Vaughn Grissom out there for a Hall of Fame arm and not lose a single thing in their lineup is absurd. But it's exactly what the Braves do better than anyone else in baseball. And if you told me that Chris Sale was going to start 25 games this year and that Chris Sale was going to be Chris Sale this year— that's an all-star level arm. I actually disagree with your thesis there. Um, sure, I think uh, even if he is a league average starting pitcher, it's probably worth a trade because of the volume of innings and because of the prospects of him looking like Chris Sale in the playoffs. But if Chris Sale healthy, at least lately, he's never been an average pitcher. Never. Even last year with a 4-3 ERA, his fifth was half a run below that. Again, pitching in front of the worst defense in baseball in a right. pretty pitcher-friendly ballpark. I think that Chris Sale is going to shove this year in, in Atlanta and is going to be a, a reason why they advance further in the playoffs than they did
1: last year, providing his health. And you know what? I think the Braves didn't make a mistake that the Cardinals have made over and over and over again in recent years, and that they're being decisive about one of their young players. They mm. watched von Grissom. They determined, i th- I believe internally, you know internally, they decided, you know what? He's not going to be a major league shortstop. Defense potentially is going to be a problem, but he's going to be a good major league player for a long time. If you told me Von Grissom plays, you know, 10 to 12 years in the big leagues. That wouldn't be surprised surprise to me. He's a good offensive player. He's a great kid. Like, if you talk to him, you can tell he's very open-minded. I sat in on a session he had with Ron Washington when they did the infield drills. And Grissom is like a sponge. But it's going to take time for him with his defense. I think offensively, He's going to be a good player, and and that's why I think that's a good deal for the Red Sox too, especially with the recent history with Chris Sale because you know and I know every time anything happened with Chris Sale, the reaction in Boston – and I'm not saying this is unreasonable, by the way. reaction of Boston was, yep, here we go again.
2: It was never a fit. It was never a fit, and while I agree with you that it is very likely worth the risk, if you will, worth the trade for Boston because Vaughn Grissom has an outstanding – minor league track record when it comes to his bat to ball and his swing decisions, there's no one better at self-scouting than the Atlanta Braves are. So when I saw Vaughn Grissom included in this trade, what that told me is this guy's unlikely to hit his 100th percentile outcome because if he was going to, then I don't think the Braves would be trading him for Chris Sale with one year left on his deal.
1: Yeah, they'd probably be putting him in left field, but they bet on Jared Kelnick and his Mm -hmm. talent out there. I think that, you know, unlike the Cardinals who waited too long on so many of their guys to make decisions, to the point that they hammered value right now. Vaughn Grissom has a lot of value because he has a lot of team control and he's a good young player. And so they flip him. All right. Lucas Giolito signs with the Red Sox. Uh, I like this deal for Giolito. I like the deal for the Red Sox. What about you? Me too. I think the
2: outcome of this deal will be largely determined by whether or not very simply he can keep the baseball in the ballpark full stop. Um, It was 41 home runs he allowed last year that led the American league. That is an inflated total one out of every 20 plate appearances resulted in a home run. That is not a formula that can work in today's game, given the launch angle phenomenon. So if the Red Sox were to consult me and ask me, how might we modify his pitch mix to maximize performance at this juncture in his career? He's still on the right side of 30. I'd major in the slider. I'd major in the changeup. I'd minor in the four-seam fastball, because it's pretty clear what he needs is to live more horizontally than vertically. He's not going to miss the same bats that he missed three, four, five years ago when he was absolutely outstanding what he needs to chase is not swing and miss. It's suppressed contact. That's what I would do. It's actually a much more favorable ballpark than in Chicago from the perspective of uh home run yeah. allowance. So that definitely could play into his favor. I think it's a decent signing there. $20 million a year is a lot, I guess in, you know, in baseball uh, terms, but, you and I both know that if Chris Sale, I mean, excuse me, if Lucas Giolito makes sixty starts over the next two years, even if he's league average, he will provide that value because those innings, which he's been healthy, he has been durable, are super valuable. So I say keep the baseball off the barrel as much as possible, and it will be a deal that they are happy that they made, and a deal that I think will enable him to build up his value to such an extent that two years from now he'll get more than twenty million dollars a year.
1: And I'm kind of excited to see what the Red Sox come up with with pitching going forward. Right? Yeah, uh, you haven't essentially. That's going to be where maybe the excellence of Craig Breslow begins to manifest. Where he's good at picking up pitchers, he's good at coming up with plans, he's good at coming up with adjustments. And Gleyo has demonstrated he's open-minded. Like you know, the way that he shortened his arm path in his delivery tells you that he will listen to people who have things to bring to him. And I'm sure that the Red Sox will do that. Yes, I mean, if you had told me two years ago that you could sign Lucas Giolito, uh, G, Lucas Giolito, excuse me,
2: the two years forty, uh, which is effectively what this is, I would have said you're crazy. This is a player that I would have assumed could get a, a nine-figure contract because we've seen like the top of the food chain for him, and that's rare. And he's been healthy. Like I'm not, we're not dealing with a pitcher at least of late that has dealt with the kind of injuries that I'm all that worried about. And if he has demonstrated coachability, as you just described, for lack of a better term, given the fact that we've seen that canvas be beautiful, like not that long ago. If, if the Red Sox can do that, if the Red Sox can identify people and use their self-scouting and use their pitch design people and, and use all those sort of analytics-y, if you will, type things to modify what pitchers can do, you could see uh, th- this guy on like down-ballot Cy Young type stuff. I mean, he definitely has that kind of arm, but ultimately I think that's going to be what it comes down to. Can they modify that pitch mix enough? that he can limit the home runs. If he can limit, let's say, if he allows fewer than 30 home runs next season, I think he could be an all-star caliber pitcher. I think that's the sort of magic number for me, 29 and a half.
1: All right. We are only about halfway through the winter. And yet we already know who's going to wear the crown of the off season winner, the Dodgers who spent more money for free agents than all the other teams combined. Uh, but the the team that's has had the worst off season, I, I think there's some serious competition the Giants are in that uh, conversation I think the Red Sox before the last week they would have been in that conversation and the Toronto Blue Jays you know had such a disappointing offense in 2023 uh, and they took a shot at Shohei Otani it's a little bit surprising to hear the comments saying yeah we thought we had a real shot at him and I'm like well, you, you know, <laughs> I know it's 2020 hindsight at this point, but I'm like, I, I mean, we thought all year that the Dodgers were going to be the leader uh, to get Otani. And so it feels like that they should have treated the Blue Jays, should have treated uh, Otani like a lottery ticket, right? Go and you, you make your offer, you see if you interest them. But it, it feels like that so much was built around that pursuit because now what we're hearing from uh, from Ross Atkins, the general manager, is. OK, they re-signed Kevin Kiermeyer, They signed Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. And they're not really going to do much else. Maybe add one more player. They're probably going to wait for prices to drop. Uh, they, they, what he said yesterday to me was code for, yeah, we're not going to pay Cody Bellinger. Man, they are basically betting that an offense that was below average last year is going to have guys bounce back, whether George Springer, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, Dalton Varsho, you know, that group, It, it, it to me, is asking a lot.
2: I don't like the way that this lineup is built. Um, I just don't. Every move they have made, Buster, over the last two offseasons has been centered on defense over offense. You mentioned Kevin Kiermaier, we're bringing him back. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, that is his thing. He can play multiple positions, but he can't hit worth a lick. That's not what they need. What they need are bangers, what they need are mashers, what they need are players that can swing the win probability of a game with one hack. They don't have enough of those. By the way, their best hitter last year was Brandon Belt, who's a free agent. There are a couple numbers here, Buster, that I think really demonstrate how badly the Blue Jays need home run hitters. So last season, this was a team that went 9-54 and 54 when they allowed five or more runs. That was the second worst record in baseball. This was a team that went 15 and 61 when they allowed four or more runs. That was the second worst record in baseball. How can you win? If the answer is only one way, you have no shot. And unless Vlad Jr. is going to be the player that we uh, sort of envisioned or imagined that he might be, this lineup is pathetic. You're looking at a team that won't make the playoffs next year, and you're looking at a team that could theoretically finish last, dead last in the American League East because you can't, Carry your weight in that division if you can't hit. Right now, the Blue Jays cannot hit. I don't like what they've done with this team. I don't like the way that things are shaking out for them next year. And there's, you're probably going to see some sort of natural regression of the mean with some of those starters, too. And if so, you're not looking at a team that's going to sniff October.
1: And it's interesting because if you put that rotation in October, if they somehow got into the playoffs, they would be dangerous. You know, just because of the excellence of starting pitching. And I say this, too, you, you mentioned about the need for bangers. I don't think there's a downside to bringing Joey Votto into camp. They should be the team that should sign Toronto native Joey Votto to a you know, my, a minor league contract uh, with an invite to spring training. It's clear from Votto's you know, messaging on social media that he's very motivated. He, he's looking for another opportunity. He's a high on base percentage guy in a bad year. He's going to have, you know, 320 on base percentage at his very worst. He hit some home runs last year. Why not bring him into spring training? See what you see and sort of treat it the way the Mariners did with Ichiro in his last year where they're like, look, we're bringing you back. Uh, We just want to be on the same page. If it doesn't go well, this might be what happens at the end of spring training. Maybe, uh, you know, we wind up releasing you. Maybe you go down and play in the minor leagues for a while. What say you about that? But they seem like with the with the way their lineup is now, with their particular needs, with an opening at DH, absolutely go get him. Uh, it
2: makes a lot of sense. And even if you exclude the, the fact that Toronto plays in Canada, which is obviously where Joey Votto is from, I like this for two reasons. This is not an idea that I'd consider, but I like this for two reasons. The first of which is obvious. If Joey Votto is invested and is anything approximating himself, he's going to be a value-positive player in your lineup. Yep. And we just demonstrated how badly they need one of those. Secondly, and this is not in any way to suggest that Vlad Jr. lacks any level of um, professionalism or anything of the kind, but you could do a lot worse from the perspective of a mentor, from the perspective of a team leader, from the perspective of a professional, than putting Joey Votto at first base with Vlad Jr. in spring training, because those conversations would be really meaningful. And the conversations and the batting cage would be really, really meaningful. That's a player in Vlad Jr. that has an MVP barrel but he doesn't have an MVP brain right now when it comes to the way that he approaches it at bats. And in my lifetime, you can count on one hand the number of players that I have seen have better at bats in major league baseball than Joey Votto. So I love the idea if nothing else to give Vlad jr. The opportunity to learn from Joey Votto by osmosis.
1: Yeah. I've told you that I've told Joey uh, that he should be the, the guy who writes the follow-up to, to the science of hitting by Ted Williams, because that's his understanding He's so smart. Uh, and again, Joey would totally get it. If you were to have that conversation, Joey would love to have him camp, but we want to acknowledge the possibility that this is not going to work out. I think he's one of the players who would completely get that and work with you on it. All right. So the reason why you're a $701 million man is because you come up with these great concepts. OK, uh, n- you uh, sent me a list of resolutions for the New Year's. Let's go down the list. We got about five minutes to go. Dodgers will approach, if not exceed 1,000 runs. You've kicked this around before. You love this. I, I think this is a, very, uh, very, like a fascinating idea. I don't know why
2: exactly. It was the 1999 uh, Cleveland Indians that last did this. But I think the Dodgers this year could do this. Not only do they have three Hall of Fame hitters hitting one, two, three in their order, but they actually have the depth or could have the requisite depth when you consider the second third of that lineup, if you will, to actually pull this off. In a division that I think will have exceedingly weak pitching. I don't know that they'll be able to chase this down, but with the National League now, obviously having the DH like we, like, you know, it, it, this is not a thing that a National League team really could do. Uh, it had been 70 years since the National League team had done it. I think the Dodgers have the chance to have one of the best lineups ever. If you give me 150 games from Otani, Mookie, and Freddie, and the other guys in that lineup hit, I would say to their 50 to 70th percentile outcome. A thousand runs is on the list of options for the Dodgers. What say you?
1: That would be fun. Uh, the, no doubt about the obviously the question, as we talked about, Chris Sale is going to be health. Jackson mm-hmm. Holiday breaking camp with the Orioles to jumpstart his rookie of the year campaign. You know, three years ago, this would not be something the Orioles would consider, but I think with the new CBA uh, and the fact that you can be rewarded for starting an elite prospect in the big leagues is a reason why this is going to happen. What say you? Uh, I have a man crush
0: on
2: Jackson holiday, and I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm a happily married man. I have two kids, but when you watch this guy hit Buster, it is a sight to behold. Any kid that young who can play shortstop with an even strikeout to walk ratio is someone for whom I adore. And Jackson holiday at this age, with that minor league track record, I think is on a rocket to the freaking moon. I want to see him on the opening day roster, and I think if he can get there, I think you're looking at at least a league average hitter to start the season. By the second half, when he hits his groove, he will absolutely be someone who can produce maybe three to five war for the Orioles and be a big
1: reason why they win 100 games again. You desperately want Mike Trout to ask the Angels to trade him. Uh, I don't see a path for that to happen because I can't imagine Artie Moreno – uh, being convinced, yeah, it makes sense that we would eat tens, many tens of millions of dollars to facilitate a trade someplace else. But you want and maybe think it can happen. I desperately want and think it can happen. And candidly, the angels owe it
2: to Mike Trout. Um, I, I, I don't know that Artie Moreno sees it that way. I happen to agree with you. He would very likely not see it that way. But a capital B baseball deserves to see Mike Trout with an opportunity to play in October. And Mike Trout has given his blood, sweat and tears to an organization that has only handed him losses that has not done what is necessary to surround him with the requisite talent to have any chance to succeed at a time in which, by the way, he also had Babe Ruth on his freaking team in his prime for the last three years. So I would love nothing more than to see Mike Trout healthy playing on a team with a contending team, perhaps even on the East coast, closer to home. And I think if he went to the front office and did so quietly Given the track record, given the equity built up, they should absolutely honor that request.
1: Yeah, and if anyone's wondering if we're questioning the acumen of Artie Moreno as owner, I think the track record speaks for itself. <laughs> Last one for you—got about forty-five seconds. You're looking for a full breakout from one particular Minnesota Twin infielder.
2: Rice, well, excuse me, Royce Lewis can absolutely get like down ballot MVP consideration if he gives me 150 games. I mean, it's a 149 OPS plus in his career to date. It's two total bases a game. He hits a grand slam every week, it seems like. And in the playoffs last year, he was one of my favorite breakout stars. I mean, he is an absolute freak at the plate. And honestly, if he and Carlos Correa and Byron though, and I mean, I love what I saw from Edward Julian last year too, that can be a much better lineup than people realize. And it can be because of him. This is one of the 10 best hitters in the American League. If he qualifies for the batting title, he's got the power. He's got the ability to spray it gap to gap. There's enough uh, swing and miss avoidance for him to be able to pull it off over the course of a full season. I think he is a breakout star waiting to happen. The former number one overall pick in the draft. so We know know he has a talent. It's just a matter of him staying on the field. Give me 500 play appearances, Royce Lewis. If you give those to me, I think you're going to have a monster season.
1: Hembo, thanks for doing this. Keep avoiding unfounded accusations. Get out of here, Hembo. Sick of Hembo. We're driven by the search for better. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast, and listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit. To get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com buster. Just go to indeed.com buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dogs are an important part of our lives and keeping them protected is a top priority especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxydectin, and pyrantel chewable tablets. Nexgard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one and done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. is the numbers game with sarah langs sarah langs reporter producer for mlb.com sarah how you doing happy new year happy
3: new year i'm doing great how are you boss,
1: sir i'm doing great uh, i sent you pictures from when i was in japan uh, we saw snow monkeys i knew you would love those creatures there were like hundreds running around there sarah they're like adolescents using this uh, this netting they they had to keep boulders from coming down the hill and they were using that netting like a trampoline they're just a, such amazing creatures
3: oh my goodness the photos were really really cool and they were so cute you yeah. know obviously a preference for dogs but i'll take the monkeys as a backup for sure
1: well i'll i'll send you quinny uh, the video later today because she's sitting at my right. feet like dying for me to take her back outside <laughs> uh for another session session of ball all right, just uh, first impressions. I was talking with Hembo about this Chris Sale trade. I, I really liked it for both sides. There are not a lot of trades where I'm like, yeah, I, I love it for both sides, but I kind of love this trade for both the Red Sox and the Braves.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really fascinating gamble by the Braves, but no one that them for doing it with what they're paying for him. And the potential, I mean, we know who Christel can be. And I was looking back at his numbers from last year, and I think people forget then, prior to being injured again, he was really figuring out how to be Christel without that elite velocity. And we see this with pitchers who figure out how to be a different pitcher later in their career. He has very high chase rates. And he seemed to be really pinching, not just the run. So I love it. And, you know, the Braves have that kind of brain thing about them, too, where when they get against, you know they're seeing something, and they really trust they can make it work.
1: So this is an interesting structure. It's so similar to what Charlie Morton has had with them. As you and I were talking at this text message, his deal is the first year, $16 million the second year, $22 million, And then in 2026, there's an $18 million club option. There's no deferred money. There's no buyout on this contract. So this is substantially about $18 million more in guaranteed money over what he had with the Red Sox. They are banking on him being healthy. Uh, and what's interesting to me about that, I mentioned Charlie Morton. Well, Chris Sale is represented by the same agent as Charlie Morton, uh, who represents Charlie Morton, who represents Chipper Jones, who represents Matt Olson. So I guess if uh, you know you want to be the Atlanta Braves, BB Abbott seems to be one of the avenues through which to go. Uh, the the longtime agent. All right, let's play the numbers game. A- and since uh, because Taylor is not joining us throughout the show, I'm going to be the one who says number three. Number three is fifty nine
3: point five. So. You know, January, top 10 season. So I've been digging deep on a ton of sewing pictures, and I won't reveal who's in my top 10. Well, one guy I was taking a very hard look at was Kodai Senga. We heard about the Ghost Fork pitch as he came over from Japan. We saw it in action, how good it was. And they didn't even think to look into this until couple of weeks ago, so a fifty nine point five percent rate on swings against his ghostworth. That means basically sixteen percent of the time when you swung at that pitch you were going to miss. That was the highest for any sort of get to any single pitch in the season since wow. we've been tracking pitches, which goes back to two thousand eight with a minimum of at least 200 swings. We knew in this season that it was a really good pitch for him, but I did not realize no sir had ever had a season with the pitch the way he did with the ghost fork last year.
1: Number two.
3: Number two is 1.20. So yesterday I saw you were tweeting a bit about Blake Snell, and the moment I saw you tweeted as an opponent batting average, I know Giddy was in that respect and not allowing runs. And what was it, 12 of his start? Yeah. I knew I had a really good note to kind of add on to that. So that is this, nearly 1.20 ERA in this final 23 starts of the season. There are only four pitchers since ERA uh, became official both leagues in 1913. Have n't nearly at least that low. In a single season 23 stars fan. There are Bob Gibson in nineteen sixty eight, Grover Cleveland Alexander in nineteen fifteen, and Walter Johnson and Dutch Lanner in nineteen fourteen. So the takeaway there is they're all in, I mean one of them is before the mount was lower, and the others are all in the dead ball era. And yes, if you look in the innings totals, obviously Blake Snell threw a lot of fewer innings in his 23 starts, but even so, the fact that Jake Arrieta, Jacob Jerome, Clayton Kershaw, Zach Krenke, kind of whoever else you may think of. I mean, Doc Gooden and so many others did not do this, and that span tells you something about how dominant he was.
1: Number one.
3: Number one is 36.8%. So, another guy taking a very hard look at is mentor Strider. We talked about this a lot. We had him pitch, I believe, twice on Sunday baseball this past season. He ended the season with a 36.8% strikeout rate. So, we look at the highest strikeout rates. In the qualified season, we take out 2020, since that was a pretty short season. There were only three guys ahead of him who had higher striker rates in a single season. That was Garrett Cole in 2019, Pedro Martinez in 1999, and Randy Johnson in 2001. So Spencer Strider had the fourth high striker rate We have ever seen qualified season that won more than 60 games. And we know how dominant he was in that respect with missed and less strikeouts.
1: All right, Sarah. So I know uh, you'll see occasionally some of the tweets that I'll send out. And and, uh, before I went to Japan, I sent out some tweets on Jacob deGrom uh, and about his pure level of dominance. And, of course, leads to the question of whether or not he's a Hall of Famer. And for me, and I, you know, told you before, I stopped voting years ago because I think the the Hall of Fame system is is broken. They need to fix it. They need to make an adjustments. Uh, need to make adjustments with it. But I, I can still give an opinion on whether or not I think someone's a Hall of Famer. And for me, Jacob Degrom is a Hall of Famer. Uh, and, and I get so much response where fans are saying, "Boy, he hasn't pitched enough innings." There haven't been uh, you know, enough years where he made a ton of starts. There's been too many injuries. For you, do you think of Jacob DeGrom as being a Hall of Famer?
3: I do, but I want to see more. He was so dominant during that stretch, as you're saying, so, so good. That was a Hall of Fame stretch up career. But if he finishes with 10 years, and I know how pitching. But the search he made in 2023 or what made him eligible to be on the Hall of Fame ballot, right? That made him have exactly 10 years pitch in yep. the major, which is an important part. If you're asking me this last January, my answer would be, well, yes, the pitch first. But if he finishes with, let's say, only a handful of seasons beyond that dominant stretch, I think it'll be a tougher road for him to get there. But the thing about Halloween Hall of Fame voting is that it's five years after your first time, and when people look back on his career, they will look at him from 16, 17, 18, and what he did there, and not be looking at, oh, the Rangers won the World Series and he barely passed and all the recently biased thing you were getting in your mentor. So I do think he's a lot of famous, but it would be great to see him do what he did again for a few more years to make him really, really solid.
1: All right, so here was uh, at the heart of my arguments about him. And yeah, once you get 10 years in, you're eligible. And my arguments about his level of dominance, uh, you know, a great stat is adjusted ERA plus. And the number one all-time leader in adjusted ERA plus uh, among qualified pitchers, according to baseball references, Mariano Rivera is at is 205, Bill Foster's at 164, uh, Bullet Rogan's at 161, Clayton Kershaw's at 157, Pedro Martinez is six at 154, and a tick above him is Jacob DeGrom at 155. And the fact is, and I and, and believe me, I absolutely hear people say the question of whether or not he th- has thrown enough innings. He's thrown more innings in his career than Mariana Rivera did, right? And he's been completely dominant. So if you're willing to put in relievers, short relievers into the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, based on their dominance in that particular role, well, Jacob deGrom, every role he's had, regardless, you know, he had a stretch, as you know, where he kind of worked his uh, – would sometimes work out of the bullpen in the postseason. He's been completely dominant. So I'm that's that's where I fall on it.
3: For sure. I mean I think the argument that he's never been bad. Yeah. You know, no. You look at some guys in the beginning of their career. No facts. Month, they had a point where they weren't as good as we remember them. Even if he wasn't that absolute dumb Jacob job, he has never been a bad pitcher. And that certainly helps him a lot as well.
1: All right, Sarah. Well, thanks for doing this. And I'll talk to you next week sometime.
3: Thanks so much for having me, Buster.
0: Bleacher Tweets. All righty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for Thursday. The Stone King himself, Brian, writes in, the Red Sox traded sale. I don't even care what they got back. They just won the offseason. Thanks, Dombrowski, for the worst contract extension in Major League Baseball history, and I've been saying that since it happened.
1: Okay, Brian, what happens if he goes 14-7 and, and has like a 3-8 ERA, and he's under contract for the next year or two with the Atlanta Braves? Will you think that it's that bad of a trade?
0: Mm, we'll see. We'll or see. That good of
1: a trade, I should say, because I, I do think, as I was talking with Hembo, I think it's a good trade for both sides.
0: All right. Justin Simmons, Justin Lance Sim1 writes in, is it safe to say that the only thing to expect from Alex Anthopoulos is the unexpected? The man has a knack for creating options. No one knew existed. The Olsen trade, the Murphy deal, now the sale trade. Does anyone play it closer to the vest?
1: Yeah. It's always funny when uh, trade rumors emerge and you can almost, if you know, you've been working the business long enough, you're like, yeah, okay, that general manager leaked that or that agent leaked that. With the Atlanta Braves, nothing gets leaked. Like It feels like we find out about these deals when they actually happen. And I've heard from other people that they were poking around about a Chris Sale trade back in July before last summer's trade deadline. So they are convinced that he's healthy and he's going to be productive.
0: Ooh, very interesting. Uh, Gregory Gosnell at Carl's Junior nine nine eight two writes, and after the Yankees traded for a few starts for Montas over two years, why didn't they bring him back on an incentive deal just to justify the trade and add depth to a depleted rotation?
1: Yeah, I'm not spending you know 40000000 dollars to justify a trade. Either it worked out or it didn't. Uh, and also, if I'm Brian Cashman, I would be leery of bringing in Montas with Rodon and the questions around him physically. Like there's too much risk there. I'd rather get a plow horse. What do you think, Taylor?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I like it for the Reds, but yeah, with with Carlos Rodon, I I, I completely Rushmore. agree with
1: you. Like I think Montas is a good, he's a good gamble for the Cincinnati Reds for the Yankees. I just think that they need something more
0: rock solid. Corbin Lunt at Corbanzo Beans writes in, please give me some hope for my Cubbies. Council will be great, but the team isn't getting any better this year without some additions. Who are they signing?
1: It feels like they're just waiting and waiting and waiting for Scott Boris and Cody Bellinger to come back to them. And it does feel with the, what we heard from the Blue Jays uh, on Wednesday, that they're kind of of the mindset of like, we're not going to spend big again. And that really narrows the number options, potentially the number of teams that would be in, uh, in, you know interested in signing Cody Bellinger, the type of money that he has. So the market feels like it's coming back to the Cubs with Cody Bellinger.
0: There you go. Corbanzo beans. Last one for today. This is from December 26th, which I was going through the tweets and I was like, whoa, it's, it's been a while. Eheart tweets. Elizabeth, she writes in. I hope you all had a very lovely Christmas. Now, where's my emergency podcast about the Blue Jays signing Kevin Kiermeyer? Elizabeth, Um, I
1: hope, I'm assuming that you agree with Hembo and I, like, just betting on guys who struggled in 2023 to bounce back in 2024 does not seem like a good strategy for the offense. And Taylor, you were busy with another podcast and I was talking with Hembo, but I said they should absolutely sign Joey Votto. Bring him into camp as a non-roster invitee, have that conversation ahead of time. Look, if it doesn't work out then, uh, you know, uh, we might wind up releasing you. But Joey Votto, Toronto native, left-handed hitter, high on base guy, obviously very motivated, friend of the pod. Let's go Blue Jays.
0: Uh, I hate to say it because it makes so much sense and I'd be so happy for Joey and being back home in Canada. But uh, yeah, it it makes sense and it would be good for them. But uh, secretly, I'm hoping it doesn't happen. All right.
1: Well, that's (laughs) it for today. My thanks to Sarah, to Hembo and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day.